Hello, everybody, and welcome to another edition of WrestleNomics Radio. I'm Brandon Thurston, broadcasting live and on demand from Buffalo, New York, where today is Sunday, February 4th, 2024. And today on the program, I don't think we have any spreadsheets, no charts, no graphs, uh, no ratings, no TV attendance, no, no, no attendance, um, no Google Trends. Uh, today we'll be covering more about the lawsuit about sexual assault and sex trafficking surrounding Vince McMahon, WWE, as well as John Laurinaitis. Um, so we saw last week, Saturday, Paul Levesque try to play the role of pain sponge, made more of a mess than he cleaned up, perhaps. He was unwilling to, uh, or unprepared, to express compassion, albeit for his father's alleged sexual assault and trafficking. This is an amazing week for us, and I just... At this point, I don't even want to get bogged down in the negatives of it. But even Cody Rhodes, who's not an executive at WWE, he took a question on the subject and he came off well. Here's that. And he said a dark cloud, certainly. As far as uh, TKO, Nick Khan and the board clearly took it very seriously, uh, acted immediately. This crew, more than ever, from a roster standpoint, is very family never seen anything like this and then on thursday sean michaels who oversees nxt he handled some six questions from maybe a reinvigorated more self-aware wrestling media yeah well look i think you can always improve on that but it's look it's an incredibly sad situation uh it's incredibly important to uh support the talent and give them a, a safe working environment the number two executive of the company paul Levesque, though he did become the subject of some unwanted mainstream headlines about how he responded to questions. And while those further down in the accountability rankings in WWE, they face the public and they handle themselves professionally, this is all still more than we can say for now about the number one executive in WWE. I've been thinking over the last several days of the rhetorical question that Dwayne Johnson, uh, you may have heard of Dwayne Johnson lately, uh, one of TKO's newest board members, uh, the rhetorical question that he was asking in a very different situation a few years ago. Where are you? Where is our leader? At that moment, he was uh, speaking in 2020. Uh, the Rock was speaking obliquely to the president of the United States. And I couldn't help but think of that line uh, when thinking this past week about the president of WWE. Where is he? Paul Levesque, he's a former board member too, and he's faced the media scheduled uh, as scheduled, failure or not. Um, Cody did a talent. Shawn Michaels, a senior vice president, not even an executive vice president, he did it. Uh, these are people with power and influence, but the person with the most power and influence, Nick Khan, the president of WWE, where is he? Uh, he's done numerous interviews over the years since he's been with WWE on the coolest podcasts. Um, with all sorts of hosts uh, who are successful throughout sports and entertainment media, whether it was uh, Matt Bellany's The Town, Colin Cowherd's show, Stephen A. Smith's show, Peter Kafka's show, uh, Nick Khan. Instead of Vince McMahon in January 2023 on Bill Simmons' show, getting in there to address Vince McMahon's then recent return to WWE, he said this. That's Vince. Yeah. Anyone who knows him who thought, with a tweet, because I think he tweeted, you know, hey, I'm 77 now, time for me to call it a day or something to that effect, you know, when he stepped down. Anyone who believed that was permanent doesn't know him. 
that was never going to happen. Uh, but I'm appreciative of the fact that he gave it the five, six months, let the dust settle a little bit, and then coming back in the way that he's come back. And Nikon mentioned Vince McMahon just the other week on another cool show, Pat McAfee's show, just days before Janelle Grant's lawsuit was filed. There, there would be no WWE without Vince McMahon and Kevin Dunn, both, in my opinion, the greatest of all time in terms of what they did and what they contributed to build what is now a massive enterprise. But then again, aren't Nikon's hands tied legally? Can he speak about this legal situation? Well, I think that didn't stop Cody Rhodes from talking about it, who's just a talent, not a lawyer. Uh, didn't stop Shawn Michaels from talking about it. And didn't stop Paul Levesque from talking about it, who's also a former board member as well as Nick is. None of those people are lawyers. None of those people are the number one executive in WWE. Nikon is all of those things. Um, and isn't Nikon who the wrestling media, the sports media, the financial media, the entertainment media, the media media, they all agree that he's such a smooth talker. I remember talking to one WWE investor once who was just so impressed, you know, early on in, uh, in Nick Khan's tenure with WWE about how great he was at, at communicating and, and speaking on earnings calls and things like that. Um, I think he could handle it. But where is he? The Bella Twins. Nikki and Brie Garcia, they put out a comment, and it's a family issue for them, as well as it is Paul Levesque. Um, so Paul Levesque is advertised to appear at WWE's press event in Las Vegas on Thursday. We'll see if Nick Khan will take one question or make one comment or schedule one interview next week when he's in his hometown. Um, speaking of top leaders, Ari Emanuel and Mark Shapiro are expected to speak on the next TKO earnings call on Tuesday, February 27th. That's a few weeks away, though. But here's TKO's and, C and Endeavor's CEO, Ari Emanuel, when he was sitting side by side with Vince McMahon on CNBC back in April, the day that the WWE UFC merger was announced. So you wanted him to stay? Oh my God, yes. Oh my God. Did he have to convince you to stay? Um, not that much. So we'll be back with more after this flashback from 1992. Here in Washington to talk about all this is the man who made wrestling an 80s success story, the brilliant promoter Vince McMahon. He is the owner of the World Wrestling Federation. Shortly we'll be joined on the phone by a former wrestler who says that he was sexually molested by wrestling executives. We'll start with Vince McMahon. What do you make of all this? I really don't know what to make of it. You have no concept that any of this was going on? No idea? No idea whatsoever. And, and let me say this, Larry, that it's very, very peculiar that all of these unsubstantiated charges have not gone to the appropriate authorities, firstly. For instance, there are laws, federal laws, as well as state laws, that prohibit this kind of activity. Where did this break? And where did you hear about it? Who broke this story? How are the charges? Why do we know this? Well, all I know is what I read in the newspaper and haven't been able to respond to. We've uh, started our own investigation, our own internal investigation, trying to get to the bottom of this. We want to get to the bottom of all of this. No one has gone to a police agency and said, I was forced to have sex. No one has filed one single charge, not one single charge, with the police, uh, with anyone. Concerning sexual harassment? Concerning sexual harassment. Have you ever heard rumors of it? No, I mean, these are things that uh, you don't hear rumors of sexual harassment. Uh, you wouldn't hear that? Well, wait, if in fact you have someone who may be uh, gay, then sure, you're going to hear a locker room horseplay. That's going to happen. But just that. Anyone can always come to me. They've always been able to come to me 
and tell me if anything is out of line. We've never looked the other way in anything. And I'm very happy to confront everyone today with whatever allegation they have. The three individuals about whom most of these allegations are hurled are no longer with the WWF. We have started an independent investigation on our own to get to the bottom of all of this. And that's why we're here today, is to get to the bottom of it. We may even learn something here today that my investigators do not know. I want to get to the bottom of it just like you gentlemen do. Up until now, you've been animately denying that uh, not only this is taking place, but that, uh, and you're saying that you know, knew nothing of it. And, and I just find that really difficult to believe. Well, there's no reason. How do you find it difficult to believe that I knew nothing of it? Why would I condone this kind of activity and risk this alleged kind of revenue? Because, Vince, because you are the king of an empire and you have eyes and ears everywhere. And it is so common, at least the topic of conversation for three to five minutes every night in the dressing room, because a lot of the guys, they have to put up with it and they hate it because if they say anything, they're out of a job. I don't believe that to be the case, but there may be some of it. If that's the, the case, then let's get to the bottom of it. I'm anxious to learn, just as you are. Well, I want to hold some, I want a wholesome organization. I want an organization that everyone can be proud of. I want to get to the bottom of it, just like you did. Again, those clips from 1992, the first one from the Larry King Live show on CNN, the second from the Phil Donahue show, uh, back in 1992 surrounding the, the Ring Boy scandal, um, sexual harassment scandal. And things of that nature, if you will. Um, <clears throat> in 1992, the number one executive uh, in WWE going on television to uh, to at least address those scandals. We'll, we'll be here from Nick Khan soon. We'll see. Um, and by the way, just to plug this, I know we plugged this on, on Wednesday too, but the Titan Gate uh, podcast from Between the Sheets. We have no direct affiliation here at WrestleMics with, with Between the Sheets, but I'm, j I'm just promoting it because they did such a great job covering the Titan Gate scandals. They made those podcasts free, which were previously only on their Patreon. Uh, there are some some striking similarities, and it may speak to something about what's happening with the culture right now, or what was happening with the culture historically uh, in WWE. So, again, that press event, Thursday, 7 Eastern, Paul Levesque will be there, as well as talent. All this hullabaloo about The Rock and Roman Reigns, I suppose that will be addressed. Um, very curious to see if Nick Khan schedules any sort of interview about uh, to, to spin how great the Netflix deal is and maybe take a couple questions on the, the culture of WWE and the scandal surrounding Vince McMahon, what he knew and when he knew it. Um, well, at least those questions were attempted to, to be asked, too. Paul Levesque. Will Paul Levesque take questions and answers? Remains to be seen. Um, <clears throat> so, and by the way, if you haven't listened to it already, Paul and Thurston, we did a, a program on Wednesday with Michael McCann, who is a Harvard law professor and the legal expert for Sportico. We spoke with him about the Janelle Grant lawsuit, if you haven't listened to that already. Um, so, we'll update you now from where sort of we left off or I left off last on Wednesday, surrounding the news of one of the biggest stories in wrestling history here. Uh, Thursday, according to PW Insider, Brock Lesnar was pulled from the WWE 2K Supercard game. This is one of their mobile games. Um, several, as the report says from Mike Johnson here, several PW Insider readers sent word that Brock Lesnar had disappeared from the WWE 2K Supercard digital collectible game 
online, and they confirmed that he was indeed pulled from the game. So we'll see if other things get pulled here regarding Brock Lesnar. I know PW Insider was reporting here as part of this that uh, this could affect other licensees as well. And I think it's important to remember that there are... Uh, did I skip past the... Uh, the uh, the merchandise here. I'll show it on this screen. Brock Lesnar's merchandise. Uh, if you want a, a discount on Brock Lesnar merchandise right now, you can get a great discount. Um, more of these items, the socks were even on discount. Um, <clears throat> earlier this week, they are now back at regular price. Some of these discounts have, have gone back slightly up, but they are still most of these items here. They're not, there's not that many uh, Brock Lesnar items, but his items on WB Shop are being offered uh, at a discount. So anyway, I think it's important to remember here as we think about how this case might play out, that there are three different defendants here. And I think the average wrestling fan is, is just thinking that this is a lawsuit against Vince McMahon, and that's it. And yes, maybe there's some allegations against Johnny Ace here, John Laurinaitis as well. But WWE is being sued here. And I think that's really important to remember for a, well, a number of reasons, because there are allegations about the culture and what was allowed to happen, why Vince McMahon was able to... to get away with this for a number of years just concerning Janelle Grant not to mention the other allegations that other women have against Vince McMahon um but prominently what, what happened earlier this week um this is on Thursday coming from Vice News uh Vice News reached out to Edward Brennan who is the lawyer for John Laurinaitis uh in the Tampa area and he gave comment saying, Mr. Laurinaitis denies the allegations in the misguided complaint and will be vigorously defending these charges in court, not the media. Like the plaintiff, he's referring to Janelle Grant, like the plaintiff, Mr. Laurinaitis is a victim. In this case, not a predator. The truth will come out, end quote. Um, so something we discussed on Wednesday was the notion of whether or not all three of these defendants, again, remember there's, there's three different defendants here, whether all three of these defendants would be on the same page, whether they would all be, you know, arguing their case together. And we're already seeing John Laurinaitis say that he's a victim of Vince McMahon. Um, so John Laurinaitis and Vince McMahon will not be on the same page here. And we have an, another, comment here in the same Vice News article where the lawyer for John Laurinaitis, again, Edward Brennan, is saying, read the allegations, read the federal statute, power, control, employment, supervisory capacity, dictatorial sexual demands with repercussions if not met. Count how many times in the complaint Vince exerts control over both of them, end quote. So I tried to look up what federal statute he was referencing by by taking, I, I, I don't know if he was writing here, which he was writing an email. I don't know if he was writing here um, something that is actually a quote from a statute. I tried to, to search some of his comments here to see if they, that matched any federal statute. I couldn't find it anyway. Uh, so not quite sure what, what he's referring to as far as the federal statute. I imagine he's speaking something to the effect of laws around sexual assault. In any case, John Laurinaitis appears to be taking the position that he was a victim of Vince McMahon and had no choice but to comply with his his sexual demands. See how that plays out. On Friday, however, another report, another anonymous report from the Wall Street Journal. This one, once again, coming from Jill Palazzolo, Khadija, Saftar, and Ted Mann. 
Pelizzolo and Mann are the reporters who have been reporting on the Vince McMahon story since since June 2022 when this story first started to break. Reporting that federal authorities have been investigating sexual assault and sex trafficking allegations against WWE co-founder Vince McMahon, according to people familiar with the situation, uh, familiar with the investigation, excuse me. Prosecutors in New York in recent months have been in contact with women who have accused McMahon of sexual misconduct, the people said. And I found it fascinating that that Wall Street Journal is reporting here that prosecutors in New York are investigating this because so we know that the the civil lawsuit that Janelle Grant is filing is in federal court in Connecticut because I don't know if all of these incidents that Janelle Grant is raising happened in Connecticut, but certainly a lot of them did. Uh, they're the condo that they that they both lived in uh, in the same condo building is in Connecticut. Obviously, W headquarters is in Stamford, Connecticut. Wall Street Journal here reporting that prosecutors in New York. In recent months, I've been in contact with with, with women uh, who have accused McMahon of sexual misconduct. So, thinking it through, I, I, now the, the Rita Chatterton uh, allegation of rape. She she alleges that Vince McMahon raped her in 1986. She alleges that that took place in New York. Um, there are other incidents that have been alleged uh, of sexual misconduct against Vince McMahon, including uh, at the California Spa. A woman who's a manager at a California Spa alleges that. Uh, Vince McMahon assaulted her. There's a case in Boca Raton, Florida. I believe Vince has a, a home in Boca Raton, Florida. He went to the tanning salon uh, and allegedly forced himself on a woman there. It's not clear whether that case itself is, is a part of this or not. Uh, and, and in fact, that's one case where we I don't know if there's an NDA associated with that, with that incident. Um, unknown where the incident or incidents were that involved the wrestler who he paid $7.5 million uh, after allegedly coercing oral sex from her, who knows where that took place. So we've got at a, at a minimum, we've got a case that does span multiple States. And in the case of the 1986 allegation, uh, made by Rita Chatterton, that is in New York state. So maybe this is for the, the Southern district of New York that probably has a lot of, uh, resources and a high profile. I believe though, the Eastern District of New York was the district that prosecuted Vince McMahon in the steroid trial back in the 90s, in any case. Uh, the Wall Street Journal report goes on. Over the summer, federal agents executed a search warrant for McMahon's phone and delivered a subpoena to him for documents related to any allegation of, quote, rape, sex trafficking, sexual assault, commercial sex transaction, harassment, or discrimination, end quote, against former... Uh, against current or former WWE employees. So these are some details that we didn't know. Um, we did know that he was, that a subpoena was delivered upon him. We knew that in August when WWE actually disclosed that. We knew that a subpoena was delivered upon him on July 17th. We learned that, I believe, on August 2nd. I'm starting to memorize some of these dates because of the timeline that you can find on, on WrestleNomics.com. Um, so we knew that there was some sort of subpoena, some sort of search executed on him. What, we're, what we learn from this article is that this was a search warrant on his phone and that it's related to any allegation of rape, sex trafficking, sexual assault, commercial sex transaction, harassment, or discrimination. You could have supposed that maybe it was just due to 
we knew that he was under investigation from the SEC, and we knew that he was under investigation from U.S. attorneys back in July 2022, in fact, that the Wall Street Journal reported that right after he resigned, saying that was something that hastened his resignation at that time. We didn't know what it was concerning. You could have supposed that it was just about maybe securities fraud or something like that because there's a lot of money here that should have been accounted to the company that he tried to only you know just, just pay himself in secret and not have the company uh, have to report it because it was to protect the company. And as we've seen in this exhibit on the NDA with Janelle Grant, he's signing it not only as himself, but, as, but signing it for WWE as well. We'll get to that in a moment. Um, so point being here, this is a federal investigation. I mean, and then this this report from the Wall Street Journal doesn't even mention anything about securities fraud or financial fraud or something like that. It's only rape, sex trafficking, sexual assault, commercial sex transaction, harassment, or discrimination. The report goes on. Other women named in the grand jury subpoena include a WWE contractor whom McMahon allegedly sent unsolicited nude photos and sexually harassed her. We did know about this. This is... This is not new information, but it is new information that they are being spoken with by federal investigators. In addition to that, a former WWE wrestler who said McMahon coerced her into giving him oral sex, former WWE referee Rita Chatterton, who publicly accused McMahon of raping her, a spa manager who said McMahon assaulted her at a Southern California resort, and a former WWE employee who alleged the head of talent relations at the company at the time, John Laurinaitis demoted her after she broke off an affair with him. So those particular incidents we knew about, it is new that they are being spoken with related to a federal investigation, which sure sounds like a criminal investigation to me. Uh, so we've got a civil lawsuit. Janelle Grant is, is suing Vince McMahon, the company, and John Laurinaitis in civil court, which ultimately would be about money if there's a judgment. And this, this sounds like Vince McMahon is at risk of being indicted uh, in criminal court. We'll see how that plays out, though. Um, as far as expecting what's, what, what's going to come next, 21 days since they were served and, let, and they were notified that they were being sued, uh, they have that much time. They have 21 days to respond, the defendants do. Uh, um, it could get extended, as we spoke about on Wednesday, and I believe that date will be February 16th. So that will be the deadline that we can expect to hear from defendants here. And curious to see if there's going to be, I mean, Lauren Ice is, is, is on his own team here. So I don't know if he's going to give his own separate answer to the complaint. And maybe will, will Vince and WB be on you know the same complaint? Will they be defended by the same attorneys? Anyway, we should be finding about, uh, about that in a couple of weeks unless that deadline gets extended. In any case, thinking about what's going to happen next, I mean, the defendants are probably going to argue that this is, at least Vince will try to argue that this is, there's an NDA here and there's a dispute about this NDA, therefore it should go to arbitration. Going to arbitration means we don't fight this in public court, we go into a private arbitration with an arbiter who will try to settle this dispute for us. Um, because the, the contract itself says... In, in, in such an event, when there's a dispute, we go to arbitration. It says, in the event any dispute cannot be resolved informally, all parties hereto agree that the sole and exclusive legal method to resolve any and all disputes is to, com is to commence binding arbitration. 
So that's what that's what their NDA says between Grant and McMahon. It says it should go to arbitration. Uh, so that's, you know, almost certainly what McMahon's side will argue. Um, however, it's it's looking like this NDA will not be enforceable. And that's certainly what what Grant is arguing. Um, because uh, for a number of reasons, one one reason being the Speak Out Act, which was signed into law in December 2022. So nearly one year after this NDA was agreed to in January 2022, uh, this was passed through US Congress signed by the president. And this is uh, December 7th, 2022. And it says among other things, the Speak Out Act, no non-disclosure clause or non-disparagement clause agreed to before the dispute arises shall be judicially enforceable. So my understanding of what that means is that if there is a lawsuit, which there is here in January, well, it was filed in January 2024, this dispute happens and you, you made an NDA before that. Um, you haven't made an NDA after that, obviously. So that would not, so that the NDA would not be judicially enforceable. That's just one reason why Grant's side is arguing that the NDA uh, is not enforceable. Uh, but we got a, an article on Friday from Vice again, uh, from Tim Marchman, where he spoke with a number of, of lawyers, legal experts, uh, one being Carrie Goldberg, a lawyer who represented victims of Harvey Weinstein. And she called the document the NDA between Grant and McMahon. She called the document poorly drafted. Uh, Goldberg says the central problem with the NDA contract is the lack of specificity. Her, her analysis matches that of Grant's lawyers who argue in the suit that the NDA should be voided because the language is so broad that it could prevent her from listing WWE on her resume. Uh, she says, the NDA makes references to confidentiality, but there's no definition about what to be confidential about. It's very vague. Usually there's super specific information about what to be confidential about. Uh, the, the Vice article goes on and saying they asked her about, uh, when asked what they understand the agreement to actually cover, a spokesperson for TKO, the parent company, WOK, they, they declined to comment. Uh, Goldberg noted that other issues with the NDA are among them that the copy grant filed in federal court in Connecticut wasn't actually signed. It was signed. Uh, we understand though, uh, according to somebody familiar with it. Um, it's, it's possible that there's, I mean, there are other NDAs and it's possible that the language here is very similar. And if that is an issue that prevents this, these NDAs from being unenforceable, um, you get the impression that Vince tried to keep this as quiet as possible, perhaps use Jerry McDivitt as his lawyer and, and his confidant, who, you know, who, who he only spoke about this, this, this issue with. And it's very possible that they used a very similar draft to have at least, what, three or four other women, maybe more, sign non-disclosure agreements. Um, Jody Short, who is a professor at UC Law San Francisco who studies NDAs, uh, believes the agreement is invalid on its face, but that this in practice may not necessarily mean much quote my considered opinion uh, it is my considered opinion that ndas such as the one you sent me are unenforceable under common law contract doctrine but there is very little case law squarely on point and litigating such a case could, would expose an, an individual to enormous cost and litigation risk that's why most people end up silenced by ndas even if technically they're not worth the paper they're written on it's not just the paper it's the paper backed by an extreme asymmetry in resources between two parties. You can certainly imagine that being the case when you're dealing with Vince McMahon, who, who is a literal billionaire and has enormous legal resources.
that, according to Janelle Grant's complaint, he, re he reminds you of. Uh, Goldberg agrees with Short and points out that survivors don't owe debts to society. It may be that an NDA is worthless as a matter of legal theory, but proving that in court is a potentially arduous process without a, a certain outcome that could define a survivor by the worst thing that ever happened to them and incur ruinous expense. So uh, clearly that's a, a, a situation that, that Janelle Grant uh, faced and, and, and considered in terms of whether or not to make uh, her name public, which we only began to know uh, her name and her face uh, just a few weeks ago, just uh, the other week when, when she filed this lawsuit. Julie Rajaniski is a former Fox News Channel host who became one of the first to sue the station over sexual harassment and was and is herself bound to silence by what many would consider an overly broad NDA. She's a co-founder of Lift Our Voices. She points out that any... Other issues aside, the NDAs could be voided by legislation currently being considered in Connecticut that would ban workplace NDAs potentially retroactively. She says, quote, I'm hoping the Vince McMahon example spurs the Connecticut legislature to do the right thing, she said. Um, and again, they, there's four arguments here for why this NDA between Janelle Grant and Vince McMahon may be unenforceable and invalid. Uh, the, the first being that presumably... First of all, we haven't mentioned this yet in this program. Vince presumably stopped paying. He was supposed to pay her $3 million. He paid her $1 million up front. He was scheduled to pay her half a million dollars on each February 1st for the next several years until the, the, the full payment amount met $3 million. And he, he stopped paying. He did not make his first half a million dollar payment on February 1st, 2023. Presumably, uh, he, he has not made the second payment. That would have just uh, happened a few days ago. Um, so there's, so, and, and it doesn't look like, you know, I mean, that is one side of the story. We'll hear what Vince McMahon has to say, whether or not he claims that he did continue to pay, but, uh, we'll, we'll see what happens there. Uh, and the, the second reason, as we mentioned, the speak out act seems to be intended to protect somebody in, in exactly this situation where they're trying to sue someone and, they're 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 trying to invalidate an NDA that is supposed to protect them from suing somebody over damages um, when it concerns sexual assault or harassment. I suppose Mr. Man will deny that there was any sexual assault or harassment here, and the 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 retort I would think from the plaintiff is that look I have text messages here, uh, you know, supporting this, uh, and they are they are pretty pretty explicit text messages. Um, and then the third reason is that if you read the, the complaint, she claims that she was signing this non-disclosure agreement under duress and that she was pressured uh, in, in a number of ways to, to sign this agreement. Uh, it's, there, were, there was back and forth negotiation with lawyers and McMahon, according to her, was really pushing her to not listen to lawyers and just, just sign it already because he was worried about some sort of deadline surrounding the board of directors about any outstanding litigation. And then number four, the language, according to, to her side and these lawyers that Vice News at least spoke with agree that the language is overly broad, which may have larger consequences if similar language was used, if this was basically a draft. I mean, Vince McMahon apparently had experience with having uh, women sign NDAs. Maybe he used a very similar contract with other women. And if so, that, that may make it easier for those women to to sue him or to speak out if they choose to. Um, notwithstanding, as, as the one legal expert mentioned, the 
the legal challenges that may be involved in that and the, and the, and the you know, public relations and emotional challenges that may be involved in that. In any case, there's Brock Lesnar's merchandise. And then we also had on Friday, Janelle Grant's attorney, Ann Callis, made an appearance uh, with News Nation where she said that Janelle Grant wants to speak out for any other victims and eradicate this culture of corruption that has permeated every cell of the WWE. She goes on to say, my office and my inbox have had a barrage of people wanting to come forward to attest about this culture of corruption and also possible victims. We are just beginning now to wade through all this, but we're frankly overwhelmed. There's Ann Callis, the attorney for Janelle Grant, saying that she is being contacted by other people who want to attest to the, the culture in WWE and want you to talk about possible victims, uh, whether or not that includes others who, who, are, who are actually claiming to be victims, not clear. But, and we have one tweet along these lines, I would say, from Maria Canellis, uh, also on Friday, where she wrote on Twitter, or X, uh, she writes, all the news coming out is horrible. Many of us experienced or heard rumors of different levels of evil for years. Some tried to speak up to build momentum to change the culture in WWE. Many times we've been called bitter or crazy. Others have been paralyzed by fear. I just hope justice is served, and I hope this brings some people peace. I pray for all of the victims, the ones that have spoke up, the ones no longer with us, and the ones that suffer in silence. So, well, one who's no longer with us would, would, would include, I suppose, uh, Ashley Massaro, who, who, who passed away, who died of suicide a few years ago. Uh, and she alleged is, as part of the, the concussion lawsuit against WWE that has since been thrown out. But she alleged as part of that, that lawsuit that um, she was sexually assaulted on one of the tribute to the troops trips overseas. And she was urged by WWE not to report. Uh, about that. And I believe John Laurinaitis and possibly Vince McMahon without looking it up might have been a part of that. In any case, we move on <clears throat> to Netflix. According to Deadline, uh, during an exclusive Next on Netflix press event that was held on Wednesday, Chief Content Officer, not, not of WWE, the Chief Content Officer of Netflix, Bella Bajaria, who is also involved in making the WWE Netflix deal, uh, she was asked whether the streamer has concerns about the horrific allegations and accusations against McMahon, who had previously paid more than $12 million to women over, over alleged sexual misconduct. She said, quote, well, Vince McMahon, he's gone. Adding, he's not there. He's gone. Yes. Uh, and then Netflix's vice president of nonfiction, Brandon Rieg, spoke about the upside they expect from Raw and the additional WWE content about uh, that the deal will provide when it starts in 2025. He said, quote, it's a great entertainment product, so having something that we can have on weekly, 52 weeks a year, it has a very passionate, dedicated fan base, and I think many of those who have, uh, those we have on Netflix as members already, th that, the <clears throat> excuse me, the beauty to me is they're going to be able to tap into a much larger audience, so introducing it to a new set of fans, as well as servicing existing fans that were either already Netflix subscribers or will come over. Either way, it's a win. The truth is, we don't know how much bigger it can get. I think we're all really bullish on that. Um, he also called, uh, Bajaria said that W content has been very under-distributed outside the U.S. I'm not sure about that. They've been pretty well-distributed, but I suppose Netflix might, might make it even more well-distributed. Uh, she said, quote, I think they're really, it's really a great opportunity to still grow outside the U.S. Okay. And that will dig into their, 
uh, $17 million a year, $17 billion a year content budget. Um, it's, um, by the way, this is an interesting quote. It may, maybe speaks to what they what they expect the duration of Raw is going to be when, when they start airing it. Uh, Bajaria says, quote, it's three hours, three hours, weekly, 52 weeks a year. So if you look at what percentage of the budget that is, yeah, yeah. So it, she refers to it as three hours. Perhaps she you know, expects this is going to be a three-hour show, not a two-hour show, if there's any doubt. I didn't have much doubt that it was going to be not a three-hour show. But there she is referring to it as a three-hour show. Okay. As far as risks, think about risks of the fallout of this this lawsuit. Vince is gone. Vince is no longer with TKO. He has resigned from all positions with TKO and WWE. Any any business problems that we can foresee here? You know, it is said to be the case that Vince McMahon, I, it was the the main, if not sole, person who was negotiating with the Saudi government. Uh, with when it came comes to WWE's fifty five zero million dollar a year. Um, not, not, I'm sorry, $50 million per event deal with the government in Saudi Arabia, the General Entertainment Authority. Uh, $100 million per year because they do two events there. That deal started in 2018, so presumably it will expire sometime around 2028. Um, so will that deal continue? I guess there's some question about that. Um, if Vince isn't there, maybe it makes it less likely. Um, but it was Dana White who credited Vince McMahon with being instrumental in making the UFC Saudi Arabia deal. That event has been postponed. I believe it was supposed to happen in March. Now it's going to happen in June. But Dana White credited Vince McMahon with making that deal. Will it become harder to make these deals with Vince McMahon gone? We'll see. Uh, another risk here that I think is is, is quite significant in that <clears throat> if, if it ends up being the case that, that there are other key executives entangled in this scandal, maybe for whatever reason, maybe they had knowledge. Uh, if it ends up that other major executives at WWE need to be replaced, and if that includes executives as high up as Paul Levesque and or Nick Khan, it's going to obviously cause TKO to have to replace those executives. And I think that presents a tremendous risk that we have great historical lessons to look back on to indicate what a risk that is. Um, if that happens, if Paul Levesque and or Nick Khan need to be replaced, Particularly Paul Levesque, I would say, um, because that is the most wrestling. That is the the the, the content parts. That is the creative part. Um, does Ari Emanuel and or Mark Shapiro do they understand who would be good at that job or who wouldn't be good at that job? Um, and I think you can look back at WCW and TNA, uh, where you had executives that were perhaps credible and and qualified executives who were overseeing the operation, but didn't necessarily have the wrestling expertise to know who's a good person to put into this job. And we had, you know, a lot of bookers, creative people uh, in charge of wrestling operations that, that, that weren't the best choices that made the, the product not as good as it could have been. And I think to, to contrast against that as a counterexample, you could look at AEW and you could argue that we here you have a fairly inexperienced executive in Tony Khan, uh, but he's got a great deal of wrestling expertise having studied and, and learned a lot about wrestling, not even firsthand in the business, just sort of on the outside. And despite his inexperience as an executive, has created a, a company that is, its show Dynamite is ranking well on Wednesday night, I can say at a minimum. Um, so those are those are pretty big um, risks, I think. If Ari Mail doesn't understand who's the a, a good chief content officer, if he has to replace that role, um, that could that could hurt the content and it could hurt 
the business of WWE in any case. Moving on, speaking of AEW, uh, Andrew Zarian reporting uh, last week that Rampage on March 20th will be airing immediately after Dynamite. And it'll be live because of uh, a preemption related to uh, March Madness. And that's, that's more than a month away. Um, but I think this is very interesting to see how that third hour, that third hour of Dynamite that we will call Rampage on that night will perform. Um, it's something that we've talked about. I've talked about with Josh Nason, and I think I've talked about it elsewhere, is that it makes more sense, I think, to have that Rampage hour be, rather than on Friday night at 10, be on Wednesday night at 10. And I wouldn't call it Rampage. I would call it Dynamite. And, and because Dynamite is a, is a stronger brand, Rampage has become this very much C-show that not that peop- not many people are interested in. And I think as much as there's a stigma, maybe rightfully so, around a third, a three-hour wrestling program, um, the best way to get ratings out of this AEW product that you've, that you've got the rights to, if you're just looking at Rampage, is to put it after Dynamite, to give it essentially the lead-in from the two hours of Dynamite. I'm sure it would do a lower rating than what the first two hours of Dynamite do, but I'm sure it would do a better rating Wednesday at 10, then Friday at 10. So maybe an experiment. Maybe an experiment on March 20th. And then, in one of the lesser important stories of the week, despite the attention it's getting, The Rock came out. This is this is a, actually a, an image that you're looking at here if you're watching a video. And an image from 2015 at the Royal Rumble. Um that I chose for some reason. Uh, but The Rock, as, as you may know, came out on SmackDown and it made it pretty clear that Cody Rose was not going to challenge Roman Reigns for the title at WrestleMania, but instead The Rock will. Um, and I think there's some interesting things that I want to point out here from a report from Fightful that Fightful made yesterday, Saturday. Fightful reporting that there are many in the company that are cautiously optimistic that if the reaction that WWE received Friday night doesn't change, maybe a pivot could be in order. The fans, at least online, have reacted very negatively. Um, Fightful writes, as of now, the plan for WrestleMania is The Rock versus Roman Reigns, Cody Rhodes versus Seth Rollins. Sources and creative confirmed that as of recently, the working plan was Cody Rhodes versus Roman Reigns and CM Punk versus Seth Rollins. Obviously, Punk got hurt. Uh, Brock Lesnar was supposed to be involved here, but because of Brock Lesnar's involvement, allegedly, uh, in, in the situation surrounding Vince McMahon, he has... He has been pulled from any creative plans. There's a plan to do Brock Lesnar versus Gunther. Uh, this anyway resulted in making the way for The Rock versus Roman Reigns to be the plan at the moment, at least according to Fightful. Uh, Fightful reporting, nobody we spoke to could make the order of operations make sense, but many were hopeful that WWE and TKO would see the reaction, the negative reaction, and pivot. There are some creative shakeups within WB of late and sources on the creative team expect rocks longtime business partner and friend and former WB creative member, Brian Gortz. Speaking of, um, who might, you know, end up gaining more, more influence in, in WB creative. You know, it, if it, if it ends up being the case that, that Paul Levesque had knowledge of this and if he ends up being removed, um, you, know, you could definitely see Brian Gortz friend of the rock friend of TKO board member. Um, close with Ari Emanuel, uh, having a more prominent role in creative. Um, Fightful writing, he's expected to be around for the time physically as well. Presumably that means at TV. Fightful reached out to Gortz about his role uh, and, he, and couldn't get comment. Uh, he said, 
unless the interview was approved by WWE. TKO sources did say they valued Gewurz's skill set and that they could see him in a key role at WWE creatively if the right situation aligned between all parties. Naturally, Flightful asked if this move was done in order to take attention or publicity away from the WWE, Vince McMahon and John Laurinaitis, the scandal and lawsuits that are ongoing. Sources in the know claimed that The Rock was actually pushing for this before, but admitted that it couldn't have hurt the process to get any mainstream publicity that was not associated with the scandals. Um, yeah. So... This is, uh, somebody asked me earlier this week, or like the other day, uh, what do you think about this? I think it's a, is this a good decision to put Rock in or not? Does it make sense for business? Uh, obviously, WrestleMania is essentially already sold out. Um, the Peacock viewership, I guess, could be higher if you have a bigger star in the main event, even though this is what, what fans want, is to see Cody Rhodes in, uh, in the main event to finish this, you know, multi-year story that we have in our hands here. And, and my response is that, it's a useful distraction and it's remarkable online how much talk there is about uh, this story and and to compare that against how much talk there was about and is and should continue to be about the Vince McMahon story. Um, when it comes to who's going to main event WrestleMania and whether or not Cody Rhodes is going to finish the story, uh, you got TMZ covering it, you've got people on social media covering it. Um, you've got, uh, you know, it's, it's being upvoted on Reddit and I see it's supposedly it's got the most, um, these, these videos that WWE has posted of, of the highlights of this moment where, uh, the rock is coming out on SmackDown. Supposedly they have like the most thumbs down. Um, but this has been stories much bigger than that. And I don't know if this is all a 40 chess calculation. I, I, I tend to think there's things are always more complicated than that, but it is serving as, as a, as a useful distraction from one of the most, if not the most, negative story that WWE has ever had to endure. Um, so there's all that. I'll, I'll read this this one other comment uh, from the Fightful Report. Uh, Fightful uh, reporting that one person who, who has worked with all parties involved numerous times says, The Rock's family passed the McMahon family in the past week as far as power dynamic in pro wrestling. And it's probably not going to change anytime soon, end quote. And I think that is a, that, that, that person may be right um, in terms of how close, think about how close, you know, The Rock is to, to Ari Emanuel and he is a, a board member now. Board members usually aren't board members forever. Uh, you know, I'm, I'm thinking of the longest tenured WWE board members and I think somewhere around maybe as long as, long as 10 years, 11 years, something like that. Um, but usually they, they have terms and they just sort of shift out after a while. Who knows how long uh, The Rock will will be around here, and and maybe he will be around longer than most, given his association with everybody involved in the situation. Um, in general, as far as like, is it a good idea or not to to do this uh, this match between Rock and Cody Rhodes, and or between Rock and Roman Reigns instead of uh, Roman Reigns and Cody Rhodes? I don't think it's worth um, the cost of damaging the relationship with some of your most loyal fans, and I don't think it's worth affecting. The expectations in general that WWE storylines won't culminate. There's a lesson that Vince Van drilled into everyone's head for a number of years. Plus, whatever damage you may be doing to Cody Rhodes, uh, whose star power could otherwise be better able to carry the company in terms of weekly TV, in terms of live events, ticket sales, TV ratings, 
uh, he's not a part-timer like, like Roman Reigns is. Um, I think they should pivot. Um, and I think there's a good chance that they will, um, given that, uh, this isn't a Vince McMahon company anymore where, you know, where they're going to stubbornly be at war with fans. Um, and I think there's a little bit more self-awareness here. So anyway, I think, I think maybe that's it. Um, those are my thoughts for the week. Uh, so here's some plugs. Um, by the way, this is Russell Knox radio that you're listening to. Got a, a pretty big audience here, bigger than usual. Appreciate everyone t- tuning in. Uh, this is free today because it's the first Sunday of the month, but every other Sunday of the month, this is for subscribers only at patreon.com slash You get the podcast every week, as well as the TV ratings reports that I put out, the viewership spreadsheet, the monthly reports, including the merchandise report that I just put out, uh, YouTube reports, live event reports coming up, the podcast slides, including this one. And we just put out the 2023 annual report, which is a, a long PDF. It's some, some, some 30 pages with a sort of, a general overview of the pro wrestling business. Uh, that is part of your subscription if you're a subscriber at patreon.com slash WrestleNomics. And I also have to mention Chopped Tees, the great Dickie Bird, put together chopped-tees.com and the post-wrestling merch is there. There's WrestleNomics merch there. There's there's mugs um, like this one. There's, um, you can finally get a WrestleNomics hoodie that you've, that you've all been waiting for. So that's it. I will, uh, I will, talk to everybody on where am I there I will talk to everybody on Wednesday when I'm joined again by John Pollock for Pollock and Thurston on the post wrestling platforms on the WrestleNomics platforms and uh we'll talk to you then thanks for listening bye bet MGM has an unreal deal for sports fans in Virginia turn five dollars into 150 dollars instantly when you place your first wager at bet MGM simply download the bet MGM app and sign up using code champion 150 then Place a $5 wager on any sport. You'll receive $150 in bonus bets, regardless of your wager's outcome. And if you think the fun stops there, the king of sportsbooks has plenty of surprises in store. Check out daily promotions, same game parlays, live bets, and so much more. Download the app in Virginia today and get $150 in bonus bets instantly from your first wager. Only at BetMGM. BetMGM and GameSense remind you to play responsibly. See BetMGM.com for terms. 21 plus only. Virginia only. New customer offer. Subject to eligibility requirements. Rewards are non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days. Please gamble responsibly. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Promotional offer not available in Washington, D.C. Brain fog, insomnia, moodiness, weight gain. Maybe you think they're just part of getting older, but Mini Health understands that for women over 40, they can all connect to menopause. It's at the root of dozens of symptoms we experience, not just hot flashes. Midi clinicians are menopause experts offering safe, effective, FDA-approved solutions covered by insurance. 91% of Midi patients get relief from symptoms within just two months. Book your virtual visit today at joinmidi.com.